Chapter Fifteen of the Leopard's Claw by George Washington Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Oliver Leaves on Prospecting Tour. Soon after the heavy rains were over, Oliver said to Eva, Eva, my dear, I found some iron pyrites while hunting, and I'm sure that we are near the gold regions. I shall take Fawn and a few of the carriers and go a little distance prospecting. You are safe and comfortable in camp, and I feel that you should remain here with Lucretia, because we've had too many adventures already to take further risks. But, Oliver, you promised never to leave me behind. I don't see how I can let you go, even for a short distance. When you are away hunting, I think of the flying snake, the crocodiles, and the numerous other things in these jungles that might harm you. Oh, Oliver! We had better listen to old Muley and go back home, Eva replied sobbingly. Oliver managed to soothe her and assured her that he would not go more than a day's journey and would return in less than a week. The next morning Oliver kissed Eva and Lucretia goodbye after committing them to Varney, Toby, and the five original carriers for protection. He mounted his horse and started away with Fawn and five carriers when he rode back and kissed Eva and Lucretia again. "'Oh, Mr. Oliver,' Yanga cried, "'it is bad luck to turn back. Don't let him go away, Miss Eva.' "'Do not start any of that stuff, Yanga. Eva is already upset and must not be bothered with absurd superstitions,' Oliver commanded as he kissed Eva and Lucretia again. Proceeding on his way once more, he waved as long as he was visible. They took the river trail and surprised a large hippopotamus grazing in some wild cane beside the river bank. Oliver was close upon it before he was aware of its presence, when it plunged into the river just as he fired. After missing such a prize, they watched along the way and killed a large red river hog, Potomuchelorus parias, and halted and camped. After a feast of wild pork and the long day's journey, they soon fell into a sound sleep. A war party was scouting along this route and came upon the camp at midnight. They were of a tribe never before met by Oliver. Dressed in grass petticoats and feathers, with heavy iron anklets and carrying long spears and bow and arrows, they made a frightful appearance. Creeping around the tent, they sought one of the guards, while five rushed in and seized Oliver before he was able to pull out his forty-four Colt revolver. They tied him as the others pillaged and destroyed the camp supplies. Fawn and another of the boys made their escape. They bound Oliver hand and foot and strapped him to his horse's back, which they led as they continued the river trail. The next morning the party separated. One division continued the rivered trail, while Oliver was sent in care of five into the open prairie upon the forest trail. When the sun was at its zenith, Oliver was nearly dead with thirst, fatigue, and the heat which beat down upon his upturned face. They suddenly came upon a wild buffalo which immediately charged upon the party. The horse, taking fright, galloped toward the river and arrived at the bank just as the other division was about to embark in canoes. They unbound Oliver, who was unconscious, gave him water and bathed his head until he recovered. Then, binding his hands and feet again, they placed him in a canoe and paddled down the stream. They arrived at a large town of bamboo huts, 
not as clean and well made as the towns formerly visited the warriors took oliver and the three other prisoners before the king who sat in his grass feathered and beaded dress in an open kitchen in the centre of the town by his side stood two rival priests one alpha an arabian of light complexion and white gown and sandaled feet he was of a light figure medium height and wore a goatee he possessed a very crafty appearance the other zotopanda was a tall black african with a plaited beard and clean-shaven head with a grey band around he wore only a grass petticoat charms and fetish over his besmeared body his frowning countenance betrayed his open antagonism to the arabic priest as soon as alpha saw oliver he thought of the gun which he naturally supposed oliver would have had so while the party approached the king he left and walked down toward the canoes he met one of the warriors bearing the spoils and looking hastily over them he selected the forty-four revolver which contained only four cartridges and was the only piece of ammunition saved alpha secured the same and returned to witness the reception awarded oliver king wango nor any of his people had ever before seen a white man nor had they heard of firearms when oliver was brought before him he was very much surprised at his color but zotopanda who had disapproved of the war stepped forth and speaking in the african tongue said o king and fellow-men when the war party set out upon the path i told it would be of no use and we would only lose our men but you people listened to alpha who said there would be many slaves to take word to the other world for us and we would find plenty of rich spoils but what has the party brought back only three slaves and one white man who must be a moon man and not much good i pray you hasten to send the white man on to old chief popoa and have him beg popoa to head us in our next battle alpha stood forth and said o great and wise king wango the war has brought to you the greatest capture you have ever had to you the god of lightning has sent his son to save you from your great enemy the leopard which destroys your people and keeps you from farming his father the lightning has given him a piece of iron that can kill the leopard and the elephant give to me the white man and i shall keep him until he destroys your enemies the king listened in doubtful amazement while zotopanga pressed his suit and argued that if the prisoner was really the son of the lightning the god would send a bolt and secure him from the bophema or boform priests they placed oliver's right leg in stocks and carried him into a dark circular hut he was glad for a place to rest and soon fell into slumber when he awoke his eyes could not distinguish in the darkness so that as he looked around he was surprised when he was addressed in english daddy a young brown-skinned fellow about twenty years very thin from fasting crawled near oliver and continued i am twee a mission boy who was caught by a war party i have been starving so as to try and slip through the rope when they tie me for the borfema society i am so thin they say i cannot walk fast enough to go as messenger messenger to whom oliver asked they tie the prisoners and leave them near the river bank for the crocodile man to come and kill the crocodile men are the burfema priests who meet in the woods near the river and hold their meetings where they take the prisoner's heart and make medicine 
which they say sends the spirit of the dead body on to the other world to take messages wait upon some king or keep the company of some big person who has just died the crocodile men come under the bottom of a canoe they have a small canoe turned upside down under the large one a kind of diving bell so that the priest remains under the water and is not seen by any one passing oliver unconsciously felt for his revolver as twee told him of the borfema society but he discovered that he was not left with even a pocket-knife i suppose they will dispatch me soon oliver remarked i don't know i heard the people talking about you outside and they said that zotopanga wants to give you to the borfema but alpha is trying to save you they never agree and they will do all in their power to have their way if alpha is in favor with the king he will save you twee replied oliver remained in prison tortured with suspense for three months during which time twee became very much attached to him one day the news came that the king's head warrior Kernisa, had died on the battlefield the town was very much aroused as to who would bear Kernisa company upon his long journey into the unknown world Zotopanda soon relieved the situation when, standing before the king, he said, O king and people, we need a fast messenger to overtake Krenisa. We have in prison the son of the lightning god, so says Alpha. He must be very fleet-footed to keep up with his father, so we must give him to the Borfema this afternoon, so that to-night he will be sent to join our beloved warrior." he should overtake Kernisa at the foot of the first mountain, and bear him company through the dark forest. This was readily accepted, since it saved the voluntary offering of the town people for the sacrifice. Two stalwart warriors went into the hut of Oliver's confinement. Lifting him both and the log, they started out when Twee leaped toward them. One of the men turned with a grin and gave him a light backhanded strike when he fell upon the floor. Oliver's hands were bound and his other foot tied to the log which held the right foot. He was then taken through a bit of the woods and laid face upwards upon a steep bank overlooking the river. Zotopanda took a piece of brown chalk and marked a heart which he enclosed in a circle upon Oliver's forehead, and the whole party returned, leaving Oliver to meet his fate alone alpha realized that it was useless to oppose the sacrifice and would only cause the triumph of his rival over him so he decided to use the occasion to show that he had championed the son of the lightning and thus humble his rival he had witnessed the loyalty of twee and as soon as the crowd gathered round oliver he slipped by the prison opened the door and beckoned to twee go to my house he fairly hissed as he strolled back to the path when they left for the bank with Oliver, he went into his house, pushed something into Twee's hands and whispered instructions, and on leaving imitated an owl, shook his finger and went to the king's court. Oliver opened his eyes and looked down the stream where he saw that silent messenger of death, the empty canoe, slowly drifting toward him. His first thought was a fight for freedom, but twisting or turning would not free his hand and even if the hands were freed how would it be possible to remove the iron band which bound his leg to the log he finally saw the hopelessness of his position and lay thinking of his eva and lucretia 
of the old earl of dubley as he watched the silent messenger coming still nearer every minute what a wretched death thought out by fiends alone he exclaimed aloud mr oliver thank god i am here before the crocodile man oliver turned his head and saw twee's half-nude body crawling upon his stomach twee pulled a knife out and cut loose the rope on oliver's hand and then handed him the revolver which had been looted from oliver as he whispered there is only one cartridge you must wait and be still until he comes near but where are the other cartridges oliver asked before he had finished twee then slipped the knife into his hand and disappeared oliver looked into the river when he saw the canoe nearing the landing he gripped his revolver tightly and lay very quietly as a large black man clean-shaven and wearing only a loincloth emerged from the canoe holding a long bowie knife in his right hand he leaped upon the landing took several breaths then danced a weird cakewalk he then proceeded towards his victim just as he is about to spring upon him holding the knife to plunge it into his victim's breast oliver pulled the trigger and the crocodile man threw up his hands and fell backwards near the edge of the embankment twee sprang toward oliver and grasping his hand for a second said mr oliver give me the knife and gun and let me tie you quickly before the people come but i must try and escape twee you may take the gun since it contains no more cartridges but from the knife i shall never part oliver stubbornly repeated twee managed to persuade him to allow himself to be retied slipping away with the gun twee hid behind some banana trees near the king's kitchen and hooted three times like an owl according to the signal agreed upon as soon as the report of the revolver had sounded the king and townspeople were all frightened zotopanda volunteered to go and find the cause when alpha stepped forward and said o mighty king to-day the great lightning god is defending his son let no one interfere or venture near until his anger is calmed for which i will offer a prayer before you turning around and swaying himself alpha performed mystic pantomime rites until he heard the signal hoots bowing before the king he invited them all to follow him when they reached the spot they were amazed at the sight of oliver remaining still tied and unharmed while the crocodile priest for the first time visible to the layman lay dead upon his back all might have gone well if oliver had given up the knife after the shock was over even zotopanda was inclined to believe that it was a miracle but when the king ordered oliver to be unbound and carried to town in triumph zotopanda stood watching the carrying out of the orders he noticed the knife which oliver still clasped in his hand he at once denounced the whole as a scheme of alpha's and claimed that oliver had had assistance and killed the priest with a knife this caused a great commotion and divided the townspeople oliver was again returned to prison alpha was very angry at oliver and twee's blunder but was obliged to stand by them in order to protect himself on the next day the king heard both sides of the argument and ended the matter by saying o alpha o zotopanda hear me i pray this matter is easily settled if the lightning god defends his son we will see if he can defend him from the wild bull as we all look on 
Now make ready for the test. Oliver was more amenable to suggestions, since he discovered his blunder. So when Twee returned him his revolver and three cartridges, he listened attentively when he was told to be as calm as possible, and try to kill the wild bull which he was to face with one cartridge, so as to save the other two for some future use. He realized that to attempt to escape would only mean to kill three men and eventually be recaptured. He decided, therefore, to be guided by Twee's and Alpha's advice. In the meantime, Zotopanda was busily overseeing the digging out of a pit arena. After a space of about twenty feet diameter was leveled, they built a stout fence around the edge of the same, leaving an opening with a gate as a slanting means of descent into the pit. After this was completed, a number of stout warriors entered a small enclosure and drove a large, long-horned wild steer which they goaded with the ends of their spears until it entered the pit. They beat drums and threw missiles at the beast until it was mad and furious. Oliver was then brought forth and taken out of the stock. He could hardly use his limbs at first, but soon overcame the stiffness as he walked. He was led to the gate of the pit and bidden to descend. Some of the men threw a cloth over the bull's head, just as Oliver began the descent. The mad bull, succeeded in extricating himself, rushed at Oliver, who dodged his attack. This tactic continued until Oliver got a good aim at the back of his ear, when he fired and sent the ball straight into the brain. The spectators were so frightened at the report that they held their hands to their ears and ran in every direction, so that when Alpha called the king to witness the end of the bull, Wanji and Zotapanda returned to see the bull stretched upon the ground, and Oliver standing with one foot upon it. The warriors descended into the pit and bore Oliver upon their shoulders. He was finally seated in the audience court and asked to show the iron which could carry thunder and lightning, but taking a cue from Alpha, who had warned him against the same, he told them that it was within the steer's brains and that his father gave him only one at a time because of its danger. To this they listened credulously and held him in awe. But Zotopanda, seeing the advantage Alpha was gaining, stepped forth and asked how it was possible for Oliver to have been captured and held in captivity with such power at his command. Alpha explained by saying that the gods had sent Oliver to defend his people from the great leopard, and that he should not be harmed but carefully guarded, and that he should be fed and housed and made his assistant. Oliver was given a hut for his own use, and offered a slave when he begged to be given Twee. He was virtually Alpha's prisoner, and his hut was continually guarded. While Alpha jealously kept away all visitors, he was permitted to walk around the town at certain hours under an escort of five. At these times he usually pointed out to Twee such things as tobacco leaves, the small stems of wild cane and corn cob. When he returned and prepared himself for the luxury of a smoke, he would in this way improve his condition as he continually planned his escape. One day Twee handed him a large pearl, saying, Master, this is what Alpha is doing in this town, buying pearls with beads from these silly people. "'Where did you get this?' Oliver asked. "'One of the men gave it to me for a small piece of your tobacco. 
i followed them and saw alpha let them into his house and when they came out they were laughing over some beads oliver lighted his corn cob and stretched out in his bamboo easy chair manufactured by himself and twee before the fire in the centre of the hut and built upon the floor he thought of the happy hours spent in their sierra leone home kitchen when with an apron tied around his neck and shirt sleeves rolled back he assisted eva as she carved and moulded wax beads for lucretia's amusement an idea came into his mind why not try some of the callan clay and the native dyes perhaps he could bribe alpha to assist in his escape as the price of the secret he thought calling twee to his side he ordered him to bring in some of the gray clay some small cane reeds and to beg some of the colored dyes from the women especially the red and yellow when twee returned with the articles as directed oliver mixed the clay with some of the bright red dyes until he obtained the desired color he directed twee as to the length he wished the hollow reeds then rolling the dough over the reeds he continued doing so until they were molded into oblong slender and other shaped beads after this he cut the ends off with a knife and placed them in an earthen pot over the fire until they hardened and finally polished to a bright glazing appearance his first attempt was a great success he called twee to him and tying them in a banana leaf instructed twee to take them to alpha with his compliments oh master you do a bad thing for send those beads to alpha he go make you stay for make plenty more for him you better make plenty more and let me buy you plenty of pearls if no be alpha is jealous of zotopanda he know for save your life but oliver's sense of gratitude and honor prompted him to disregard such advice and to send twee on to alpha alpha naturally was very much surprised and his cupidity aroused his cunning he called upon oliver immediately and it was all smiles and pretended friendship he was also cautious because he suspected that his secret was out and that oliver would either become a rival or betray his secret by enlightening the oyster driver from whom he had taught to search for pearls in the meantime his beads were nearly exhausted and in oliver he saw the promise of a rich harvest oliver soon made his proposition known for example to sell the process of making the beads in exchange for his freedom but this did not suit the ease-loving arabian when so competent a worker was already in his power he pretended to agree while he urged oliver to make a large quantity at the time of instructions oliver soon realized that he was alpha's dupe and several times awoke just in time to discover alpha crawling upon his knees searching for the revolver in oliver's hut twee took a chance in the matter and bundled up quite a number of beads that he had securely hidden he approached oliver and asked for a day off for hunting upon his return he brought a small grass bag full of the most lustrous and perfect pearls oliver gasped in amazement when twee told him how he had visited the oyster beds and traded for the pearls after obtaining a promise of secrecy twee continued his pearl trading one day oliver ran to the door of his hut at the cries of some women who running and beating their heads with their hands ran to the king's court and fell upon their faces 
a leopard had entered a half-town two nights successively and taken away a child and a grown man the bravest huntsmen were selected and oliver was assigned the leadership oliver was glad of the opportunity because he planned to attempt his escape he informed twee of his intention so that twee bundled up their small stove and they started upon the hunt after receiving alpha's blessing as they were walking single file through the woods oliver just had time to raise his gun as he twee and the huntsman scattered in the woods he saw the fiery eyes and extended claws when he pulled the trigger and sent the bullet to the heart of the animal but the great cat had been very accurate in her measurement of distance for oliver just had time to dodge but not before one of her great forepaws landed upon his shoulders as she fell on top of him sinking her claws in further twee was the first to recover from the shock and run to oliver's assistance the men returned and lifted the paw of the beast from oliver's shoulder while twee tore the sleeve of his shirt and bound his arm during the unconsciousness of the suffering man twee then unwound the grass hammock which he had folded in the bundle and instructed the men to cut a pole to which he tied it and then placed oliver in the hammock while the other party secured the man-eating leopard to another pole and proceeded to the village thus when oliver recovered consciousness he was very much surprised and disappointed to find himself back to his old surroundings but it was a gala day for the town oliver was born in triumph to the king by the warriors around the kitchen young men and women dressed in grass petticoats danced the gombe a very wild but graceful cakewalk the king presented oliver the hide and claws of the huge leopard these being considered only the property of the king with the teeth owing to their rare value among all african tribes oliver was aware of the honor and selecting one of the claws he bade the king accept it as a remembrance of the occasion he also presented one to alpha something prompted him to offer one to zotopanda but knowing that alpha would not like such a proceeding he did not take advantage of the opportunity of winning a true friend who might have spared him some of the sad experience he was to suffer through alpha's treachery after the presentation of the claws the king whispered into the ear of one of the couriers who left his royal side immediately oliver was soon given an unpleasant surprise when he was finally made to understand that the blushing black maiden attired in a grass petticoat and numerous beads and leopard teeth around the neck and waist bore the title of a young princess and was given to him as wife the king watched oliver closely and was disappointed at the lack of appreciation shown by the latter when he finally understood that the great honor was rejected he at once demanded the reason oliver then related the separation from his wife and child and begged he be permitted to return to his family oh said king wanga that makes no difference i have many wives the lightning god sent you to live with us so you must forget the other wife and take wives from among us zotopanda whispered something into his ear his face contracted into a frown then turning to oliver again he said do you o moon man refuse my daughter oliver protested again and told him that his religion permitted only one wife the conference finally closed 
but the rejection of the royal bride had caused a perceptible coolness it was only the hope of having permanent protection from the wild beast and the fear of the destruction from the iron which oliver possessed that saved his life when the week had ended and oliver had not returned as promised eva was nearly distracted with grief every morning and evening she could be seen at the edge of the hill overlooking the direction of oliver's departure kneeling with lucretia as they prayed for the father's safe return End of chapter 15